So I'm in the shop the other day, and this dude comes in, and he's like, uh, just quizzing me, like for a good quizzing, quizzing me for a good 45 minutes, and uh, and it's a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, right? So I'm like, this is it's all it like in familiar. order. It sounds familiar. It, it sounds you know? familiar. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I'm going along with it, and that's fine. In uh, listening, and and he's like, okay, well, the you know finally comes out. I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, whoa, now you have my attention. What, what's this podcast? And he's like, it's called the everyday sniper. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I've heard of that. Yeah. Heard of it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, well, uh, you know, Frank's saying this and Mike's saying this, you know, who's like, what's your opinion on this? Whose side do you think you would be on? And I was team like, team Mike or team Frank, right? Team Mike or team Frank. And I'm like, uh, well, I can't believe you're listening to that garbage in the first place. <laughs> you're right, exactly. And whatever <laughs> what Frank says, you, yeah, you know, to? whatever Frank says is is null and void as far as I'm concerned. I would have to agree with what Mike is saying. Team Mike, you're on and he's Team like, Mike. I'm on Team Mike. Yep. Right. So he's like, he's like, really? Why is that? And I was like, well, you know the whole the whole Frank and Mike thing, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm the Mike from the Frank. I'm and Mike in Frank and Mike. Like, <laughs> it's it's funny that that's happened to me two times, and. We're, like, don't they realize we're telling everybody walking mile high, Mike's behind the counter? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you guys do realize that I work there. Mile high is my home. Like, I'm the, I'm like one of the first people you see when you walk through the you door. You usually hit the buzzer, right? Yeah. So I just I thought that was funny. I wanted to share that with you. Yeah, it was that's just, great. It was cracking me up. So you got Frank. From Sniper's Hall. And Mike from Mile High Shooting. Mike is back. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. And we are in the heart of the Mile High City itself. In the Sniper's Hide headquarters. In the den. The hide. We're in the hide. We're in Sniper's Hide. The hide. And it really so, is kind of a hide, man. It's yeah. like a, it's a hot-ass attic. It's a hot bunker. It is <laughs> yeah. hot. It does get hot up here. I came in here all geared up in my hoodie and everything, and it's actually, it was really nice outside, and it's a lot warmer down here than it is up north. Yeah. And um, we were to 72 I was totally today. overdressed for the occasion. We were 72 today, so it's toasty, and I didn't have my AC on. I, I am drinking coffee, though. I've had a, it's it's been a long day. I got to work this morning about 12 hours ago, and uh, still going strong, and I hope to get a few uh, episodes with you guys in the books today. I brought it up on um facebook last night and i was talking to frank about it and basically i want to get back to the basics the fundamentals of this whole marksmanship thing and that's kind of why we started this in the first place was to go okay right look the Talk fundamentals. The, the the basics that's mm -hmm. where it all starts you know you don't start at the back there's, there's so much tower. bad data out there it's insane and so you know you want to get these people off those facebook groups and just stop listening to those people. They're ridiculous. So, yeah, I, I, I talked a little bit with the Marine Corps thing on Throwback Thursday with the fundamentals and how it's written in those books. <laughs> Where's the one guy? Did you read the, that that they put the bad information in the books? Somebody posted on the Podbean app. I don't know if you saw it today. I didn't see it today. That the bad information in the manual was on purpose so the FBI can identify you. I'm like, no, that's not how it worked, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what they did they, they they were wrong on the humidity and all that stuff to begin with all the books are wrong um if they don't put little like they didn't teach us wrong things and say 
oh, this is right, but don't do it wrong. Well, and... it's like any time that you do get any like official training, like let's say you go to a tech school or some type of technical uh, deal where you're learning a trade. Right. And then you get into the real world, and the first thing they tell you is forget everything you learned in school. Yeah. This is how we're doing it. Exactly. This is how it works. Exactly. So and it's, it's like that for everything. Yeah, so. they're not tricking you in the manuals. The manuals are how they thought it was. And a lot of it's incestuous. We talk about it. Uh, the it's a mil- guideline. Right. The military training, it's just handed down from one guy to the other. And that's why the game of telephone is so bad in the military. Because a guy will come off deployment. They'll say, hey, he's a good dude. He did a good job. He's off of deployment. Guess what? You're now an instructor. Yeah, you're the subject matter expert. Yes, because you, you wax them, did whatever. You know, you had a good mission and we like you. You're it. And, and that's not always a good way of going about doing business. It, it, and so you'll see, there at, for a time, there was like the Rangers didn't want to go to the Benning School. They would rather have gone to the National Guard School. They thought it was a better course. Well, a lot of the stuff done in the military itself is a test bed for something bigger. Yes. And when it comes down to it, a lot of times, you'll, you know, guys that are in right now, you guys are seeing it, leadership through attrition. It's not like the best guy for the job right who who hung around the longest who hung around the longest and who can who knows all the answers to the test because they've taken it 17 times Mm -hmm. so they're going okay this this ought to be a breeze this 18th time yeah so that's that's really what it is man it's yeah don't think too much into it but we wanted to bring this back like i said one of the one of the original intents of this was coming back to the original intent of like things like the fundamentals of marksmanship where does it stand on the original lesson and stuff. The so. advanced stuff in any marksmanship is mastering the basics. Yes, just quicker. Yeah. Really, it's just the it's the fundamentals faster. It's the repetitions. That's, repet- an, that's an the repetitions. Class. Yeah, you know? that's an advanced class. The fundamentals faster. So, I always hear like when we talk about repetition, there's tons of people that say it a different way. Okay, so to build muscle memory, you got to have ten thousand positive repetitions. To build muscle memory, you got to have you know, 2,500 positive repetitions. You got to have X amount, X amount. Yeah, 3,000 to build a new neural pathway, 9,000 to fix a broken one. Right, and I was listening to you say that, and I was like, you know how many numbers that have been thrown at me for that? Yeah. Like, guys that are really into this stuff, that are really good at what they do, you know, they, they heard the next study, well, the latest study coming from the CIA said that it's it's this number. 2732. Yeah, it's, it's three. Yeah. The yeah. number is three. If you can't do it in three moves, then you're done. Oh, you nice. Know? So that's... You're hung up. The moral of the story is if you don't practice, then you're not going to get good at it. Right. We always there, joke there and say... There is no silver bullet. Yeah, man. we joke and say, you know, the more I do this, the luckier I get. Yeah. And I think that's that's a huge thing. And you can't buy success. You can get close, spending a ton of money, but you can't buy it. Unless you're paying for classes. Then you can get a certain amount. Then you can buy some better better training. You know? Yeah. And there you're you know, you're getting that, that you're paying for experience basically. You're paying you're paying for that person's life experience and what they know and why they're why they're good at what they do or how well they can uh, transmit that message to you so that you can understand it or dumb it down to the lowest level. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm with you. So let's jump into this lesson. Lesson. I guess it's a lesson today. Today's a lesson. Uh, it's a chat. It's, it's a chat. Just, yeah, We're going to talk just, about the fundamentals. There's a lot of good questions that we've been seeing on the on the uh, Podbean app and the Facebook and a lot of guys getting into this. I have folks that come into the store. I was just telling Frank this. I have folks that come into the store and they'll buy this 
um, you know, fifteen thousand dollar rifle setup, but they've never actually gotten behind the rifle. Mm-hmm. And we kind of pride ourselves in taking that time to show them, you know what? Here, let's talk about this. Are you ever going to shoot off this? How far are you trying to shoot? What caliber are you thinking about shooting? And we go down the line, and you know, it's not unheard of for us to spend four or you know, like three, four hours working with somebody showing them how to you know, do it. and actually getting on the ground, getting behind the gun and showing them how to do it so that their, their success rate jumps, you know, and everything else is down to fundamentals. I mean, fundamentals across the board to me is, um, is fundamentals. doesn't matter what, uh, weapon system you're on. Right. It's pistol, shotgun, rifle, carbine, precision rifle mm-hmm. all of the fundamentals are the same the tactics are what change yeah and none of us invented those those go back the hundred plus years those are are tried and true that's why we talk about like when i was mentioning you know like follow through the forgotten fundamental you get so many people today don't follow through because our triggers are so different today than they were back then mm-hmm. you know you go in the 60s and 70s Think about it. You got these guys. They're they're you know they're they're trying to get to that eight ounce, and and they're doing that, and they won't follow through because they got their trigger so dang light. It helps them on one end, but it hurts them on another because they're not consistent. And that's where I see a lot of guys will plateau because they're they're they they're working sort of against themselves with things like you know they're not following through because their trigger's too light. Right. I'd rather you come up a little bit to follow through on your trigger and not scare you every time you press it than to be down so light and to just tap it and go. Follow through means a lot of things and we're gonna talk about that in detail as we get through this episode. Um, One of the things that kinda just hits home for me is uh, with the fundamentals, I teach a basic pistol class with John Harrell from uh, Double Tap Training Academy in Northern Colorado. So if you guys are looking for a CCW, uh, you know, shoot me an email. And if you're in the northern Colorado area, we'll we'll get you taken care uh, uh, taken care of up there. But the thing is, again, it goes back to the basics of that you know of the fundamentals, and you have to do it with pistol, you have to do it with rifle. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Like Frank's talking about follow through, and right now the first thing that comes to mind is a Kentucky long rifle, right? Yeah. The follow through there is way different than what you're looking at. In a in a uh, black powder yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah black yeah. powder rifle or six dasher, um, yeah your black powder versus your six dasher, Com- two completely different systems, two completely uh, degrees of follow through. You know you got to sit there and wait for that burn, wait for that bullet to leave, and that's what something. This question keeps coming up, and it's on the hide a lot too. Everybody's asking about you know these six millimeters. We brought this up already once, and and I don't think it's sunk in much. They're, that follow through why they're why the six millimeters are successful and things like that why they're doing that with the light no recoil tiny little fast bullet 3150 feet per second it's out quick mm-hmm. they can come off the gun quicker they don't have to follow through as much time wise because we talked milliseconds the other day remember i said a millisecond to a quarter minute so their millisecond is so slow or fast you know what i mean it's so tiny that they can turn around and touch that trigger, that bullet's out, and I have the six and shot it, and I was 3170 with my six Creed, it's gone. I finished stages the first time I shot it that I never finished before because it's fast. You can do the same thing with your six five, 
get a lighter bullet. You know, make it go faster. Don't always default to heavy. Your 308's going really slow. That's why the 308 doesn't do as well for these guys. 2,600 feet per second with a 175, it's going slow. It takes time for that to leave the barrel. And that's why it doesn't do as well. Now, and just getting past ballistics, you know what I'm saying? I think that's a good starting point for a lot of people, though, because it teaches you a yes. lot of things or even going learn, back to it. You'll learn a lot more coming off of that. One of the questions that we had on the uh, on Facebook was, should I be using 22, 223, 308? Are these good training rounds? Yes, absolutely. Even that 22, I yeah, think, is, 22 is a great is, training round. That stuff's round. doing really well, the 22 stuff. Well, I did, you know, my tripod shooting was not very good and then adam built a uh, 22 trainer that is exactly like an ax rifle mm -hmm. and then we spent time actually watching what it was doing and trying to shoot groups with it and um you know not paying as much money and taking as much time to do build that ammo yep you know we're shooting at shorter distances at smaller targets basically so then going into you know a national match on they're like all right you got to shoot off a tripod i'm like no problem Impact, impact, impact. I mean, the training value is there for yes. sure. Yes, yeah. You, you trainers, you can't overstress. And I'm actually going to talk about it. I copied all the stuff to talk about the um, the the, the offset uh, mirroring your, your data with a 22 versus like a 6.5. I have the formula kind of the model, I guess, is a way of doing it. The fin accuracy guys did one. There's a couple of them out there that um, talk about how to scale your your big rifle into the 22 and we're going to bring that up that's one yep. of my my moving forward and speaking of rifles real quick i gotta i want to plug our gunsmiths at mile high shooting we got four full-time guys and another part-time guy and they're building these rifles quarter half minute rifles in the in the business and they're doing a phenomenal job so if you're looking to get a rifle built give us a call man give us a try you'll be really happy with the results um, and I know my buddy Diamond Doug is listening, and we want you to know that we love you. Who's Diamond Doug? Diamond Doug, man, on the machine in oh, the back. Oh, the machine, that Doug. Doug on the back. <laughs> I didn't know he was Diamond That's Doug. That's Diamond Doug, diamond man. Doug. Everything he touches turns into a diamond. Nice. He, make, he, he made the funky, uh, the cages for the liquor bottles you can't get in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for Christmas party. He gave people, he gave people bottles of liquors that he locked in jail, and you couldn't get your liquor out of the jail. Cause it's like welded into this prison. It's like seamless. Like you got to do it like a puzzle, I guess. Yeah. How to bust out your liquor. So jumping into it, let's talk about. You talked about dominant eye at length. That was a a good explanation of what was going on. I really liked um, the same thing. I uh, tell a lot of people when they're shooting, you know, opposite hand or support hand or something like that, with a little bit of coaching and this is what falls you back to the fundamentals because you go i don't want to miss of course i want to hit this target um so now i'm checking my breathing now i'm checking my trigger now i'm checking my sights and now i'm doing this and yeah. doing that because all of this is unfamiliar but i actually want to do well so taking that uh that dominant eye discussion that you had mm -hmm. and bringing it into this i think is huge because that's what you're doing you're falling back on those fundamentals and a lot of guys that go out there and shoot this stuff and they've never shot left-handed before if they're a right-handed shooter they're like holy crap i didn't think i'd hit anything but i hit most of my yeah. targets most people generally shoot better because they don't have the bad habits they just have to get where what messes them up switching hands is usually sight picture they usually can't get their head right but um, I'll do a quick little recap um, because I talked about it yeah, on the Throwback Thursday episode with the Marine Corps. 
how I look at the fundamentals of marksmanship because there's there's the elements of a good shooting position. There, there's the stuff we talked about in the older manuals, but we break it down to straight up talking about the fundamentals. And as, as I spoke about, getting set up behind the rifle, uh, and I'm talking prone here, although this works in all the positions, but when you're picturing this in your mind's eye, think of busting the prone. So getting set up behind the rifle, getting straight back behind it, lining up straight, and we, and, you know, we do an indexing. I always index. If you watch any of my videos, I repeat the same exact process over and over again. I index behind the rifle. I line up the rifle on the inside of my right foot. I get down and index with my knees. I get down a push-up position, and then I line up behind the rifle. But the so let's let's categorize this. Let's talk. Let's say this is all your stance, basically. Right. How how, how you approach the rifle. Mm -hmm. And I look at it as part of natural point of aim. Because that's helping set up your natural point of aim. When you come in straight back behind the rifle, you're taking care of a big majority of your natural point of aim in that prone position. Same thing if you came straight on, you know, plates forward kind of stuff on on a and you're standing on something, you would have your natural point of aim that way, whether it's a pistol or carbine. But we're coming straight in and sliding behind the rifle. The, so again, reference points. We talked about this in like our very first podcast, or one or two. Uh, was, yeah, one yeah. of the first after Diane, we talked about it at least for sure. It was probably in rifle setup, but yeah. anyways, yeah, uh, on approach to the rifle, setting the rifle in the direction of your targets, looking at your, uh, looking at your targets, looking at your rifle orientation, and then dropping down to your knees, but keeping that butt stock. What I, as a reference point I use is keeping that buttstock in line with the inside of my right knee because I'm a right-handed shooter. If you're left-handed, the inside of your left knee. So that's that's that reference point. And then you can fall into the rifle from yep. there. And we're talking about prone. So anytime that you want to go into uh, like checking your rifle, you want to check it from the most comfortable position that you that you can be in so that you can check the actual accuracy of the rifle. If you're in an unsteady position, for me, seated or standing or kneeling or something like that is very unsteady for me. Sure. I got to drop down to prone if I want to actually get some good work done with my rifle. Yeah, and, and then like I said, this that's number one, set, getting behind it, lining up the rifle onto the target, lining you behind it. And that's your natural point of aim. That where you're going to come in. Now to check the test for natural point of aim, and we didn't bring that up, and you don't hear many people talk about it as much because the PRS NRL kind of crap killed this in a lot of ways. They don't have time and opportunity. They got As soon as the clock goes, they're running off and they're just banging away. But what you're doing is that's when you're getting up behind the rifle, you're lining up, everything's good, rifle pointed to the target, body pointed to the rifle. Then you're going to close your eyes, you're going to go through a couple of breathing cycles. You're going to open your eyes and see where the reticle and is. that's some old school stuff that's right there. That's old school right there. But that's how I always like... That's how my dad taught me how to shoot a BB gun. Right. Same thing. Same Here, concept. Like a good... You know, the, the, the Colorado Rifle Club had that prairie dog match, right? With the little tiny prairie dogs at 200, 300, 400, 500 meter, whatever it is. And, you know, at 500 meters... You get Frank reading these sniper manuals, and he's back to meters. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, because that Prairie Dog match at CRC is... Do they is, meters It's on there? the meter table. It's on the silhouette. Really? Silhouette ranges in the U.S. are in meters. The high-power ranges are in yards. It's stupid, but that's how it works, because the silhouette people shoot in meters. Anyway, it's a little Prairie Dog target. So while I'm waiting for my turn, I'm testing my natural point of aim, and... 
I was the only one of the only guys with a 308. And the second time I shot it, I shot it. No, I shot it twice. Once with a 308, once with a 260. And the 260, I switched ammo during it. I shot with one load and one half and one load the other. But with the 308, I can't. Why did you do that? I was testing something. Oh, okay. The 308. That's the default answer, by the way, guys. No, I was. If I was have, testing two different oh, loads. Oh, well, uh, you know, my scope's not tightened see, all the way down because no, I was I, testing No, I came something. in top 10 it still. I, I, didn't, I didn't. But with the 308 against all the 6 millimeters and all the 6.5s, I came in second overall. Right. You know, because every shot I took with the 308, I tested my natural point of aim. I got in behind the rifle. I closed my eyes. I went through a couple of breathing cycles. I opened my eyes. I looked at where the reticle is on the target. Then I adjusted my body, and that adjustment comes from your waist, your core. Okay, It doesn't come from your shoulders. You don't steer it. You move your hips, and that's what moves you around, right? Well, then another way to test natural point of aim is the dry fire. If you see your reticle move when you press that dry fire off, you're, you're, you're looking through the scope. You're on target. Everything's good. You press the trigger, and the reticle moves. If it clicks off target, that means your natural point of aim isn't set up right. That firing pin drop is enough to see that first round flinch like we were talking about. You can fine tune that movement. That's not your scope moving. You can actually tune that out so that it doesn't do that. So you want to close your eyes, go through a couple breathing cycles, check your natural point of aim. And again, this is a given time and opportunity thing. You know, you start to learn and understand your positional shooting because natural point of aim is the big factor in positional. You have to understand when you approach an obstacle, when you approach something tripod, when you approach something barricade, where your body has to be in order to get your natural point of aim as close as possible. And that's where coming in straight and square assists. So that's, that's your stance and approach. Yes, your stance. Exactly. And this is the why. It's right. All this stuff is going to line up. So when I'm shooting uh, multiple targets on a, on a lateral plane, I'm moving my body behind the gun. I'm keeping basically my shoulders are square towards my, towards my target, whether I'm standing, kneeling, prone. And I like to think of it if I were to take my gun and put it up in the air as I'm standing, my shoulders are square and I'm creating a 90-degree angle with my rifle on my shoulder. So I can do that on the ground too. Just lift my head up. Yeah. So that's and and that's your reference. Here's the ref and here's the thing for you guys who who do this for a living, who work behind a rifle. If you're straight and square like this, this is the other reason why. And 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 not even just talking your body armor and things like that. You're quicker on the gun, and you're a smaller target for the guy on the other side. Instead of you being, because if you're off at that 15 degree like the high power shooters, if you're going to go copy the leg up high power thing, you're a bigger target. All I have to do is figure out which way the wind's coming. If the wind's coming from your head towards your toes, well, then I just hold the reticle on your head and fire the shot. If I hit you in the hips, you're dead right there. You know, it's just going to die. It'll take you longer to die. If the wind's coming from your foot towards your head, I'm just going to aim in the middle of your body and let the freaking round carry into your head. You know, so if you're straight and square, you've now presented a smaller target. If you're straight and square in your stance and you're coming to a target, you're smaller, you're faster, you're already indexed on them. You just cut the target right in front of you with your muzzle, come down into your prone position, and you do that same indexing from feet to knees to, you know, push up. 
you're on gun quicker than the other guy. So that's why we do a lot of straight and square. That 15, 10, 20 degree offset you see the high power people do are strictly for sling shooting because they have to get their support hand up under the rifle, straight up and down for bone support. And in order to do that, you have to be at an angle in order to get your arm comfortably up under the rifle together. You have to index the rifle down to your arm, down to your elbow, down to the ground. And that angle is why. Straight, because we have a bipod or a front rest or whatever it is. So that's don't don't be afraid to spread your feet. So when you're dropping down into that position, it may look like uh, the thing that comes to mind is a push-up position where the the balls of your feet are t touching yeah. the ground, and then your feet are together, and you're in a perfect straight line. Don't be afraid to spread your feet out, and then put your ankles and heels on the ground. Down. Yep. Flatten out as much as you can. Make love, sweet sweet love to the ground. Just get into it. Get on it. Get on it. Get on it. You got it there, Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> He's listening. Who are we kidding? He's in his Lincoln right now listening to the Everyday Sniper. That dude loves us. So So we got... Then the next one we're going to go to from that... Oh, well, you do want to well, talk got, about yeah, the body position? Yeah, yeah we're okay. talking uh, precision, prone. So we talked uh, about prone. So let's talk about kneeling real quick. So if you're in a kneeling position, it's a lot harder with the rifles that we're trying to use than it is with a service rifle rifle or carbine um, or that old mentality of M16. So uh, getting one of these into position, for, uh, we've had to shoot kneeling and standing before. Um, there is um, there's a trick to it, man. Oh, yeah, it's not sure. it, it's not easy. Yeah. It, 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 that, that's... Those, those go back. Our rifles really aren't designed. Although kneeling, I think kneeling is like the ultimate universal position. I get in and out and do kneeling more than any other position because you're off the ground a little bit higher. And so you can get over obstacles and things like that. You can get into the position quickly and you can get out of the position quickly. Hunters, so, we have a lot of high grass around here. Yeah. So kneeling is a good position. Kneeling is your, is your money position. If I was going to use with a lot of our rifles and stuff, I'm not going to attempt standing unless I have a tripod or a partner-assisted position where I'm putting the rifle on his shoulder. But I'm not going to do try to do a standing. Standing with these rifles we're using is like snapshot. You're coming around a corner. And when we train with a lot of that, it's because guys are movement with the rifle. And we always train them that they bring their power all the way down, which is why you saw a lot of the scopes go to the three power because during movement, they wanted that down a little bit and it becomes a little easier for them to get it up quick and shoot it and well that and if you have something that's moving as well you want yeah. to power down so you can actually see and anticipate where it's going and try attempt to trap it right right but it's it the 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 movement in the snapshot for the standing is just like a carbine you bring the rifle up like a carbine and snap it and just shoot it you can't do the uh, Olympic shooter sideways bladed because that's probably I mean you can't do it if you're at a comp and, and it's a different thing because you have a prep time and you have all this but the training method especially again you guys in harm's way kind of stuff the training method for a standing snapshot should be exactly like a carbine yeah. again it, we go back to the weapon systems that you're on so it's not just we're not using one technique for just this one specific 
uh, rifle or context, pistol. Context, man. Yeah, We're putting yeah. everything in context. Yeah. So it all comes back around. And it all goes back to, okay, well, what's going to make you more accurate? What's going to make you more fast? And, you know, get the job done. You're not holding that rifle up because it's like 20 pounds for some yeah, of us. Yeah. You know, you're not holding that rifle up and then, uh, okay, I'm almost there. Breathe. Oh, uh, you oh, oh, Too late, right? <laughs> he shot you twice. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's, that's, you know, like I said, there's, there, there, we do address all these things in a lot of the classes and. If it's a specific class, military, law enforcement, or whatever the case, then we, we, we talk to them in their context. If it's civilian, we talk to them in their context. But at the same time, it may have a, a touch bent on the other way because people are fighting with these rifles and stuff, and it can be a defense issue. But, yeah, it's all about the context. So, um, so standing. Yeah. So you were talking. You brought it up already. Tripod. Tripod barricade, basically. So if you're standing up and you're and you're firing off on one of these two platforms, I want you to think about this. If you turn sideways, you're doing the exact opposite of what you were doing in the prone position. Right. No lateral stability if you're bladed. So now if you square up just like you were laying on the ground, you square up on your gun, create that 90 degree angle from your shoulders to your rifle. Put your feet on an even playing field. Put them not next to each other, like touching, but you know, shoulder width apart. A little, maybe maybe a little a bit more. Of, yeah, one you and know? a half of shoulder width. <clears throat> and then lean into it and put your body weight into it. Shoulders in front of the hips. Shul yep, nose over toes. There you go. Yep, and um, engage like that, and it'll work off your tripod. It'll work off a barricade if you blade off. I saw something, and I don't, I can't remember if it was uh, a proving point for you in one of your videos was your body position changing your muzzle velocity. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about that real quick because maybe not everybody has seen that, and, and it makes me think about a lot of different things, and especially if we're taking the time to build this ammo precisely and you base everything off your muzzle velocity and, your, and the way that you're doing business on approach to the rifle changes that muzzle velocity you just defeated the entire reason you stayed up till six o'clock in the morning loading ammo before a match yeah recoil management determines the resistance and that tells us and we'll get into a whole recoil management thing recoil management's a big part now what we do and and what it does is it tells the bullet where the barrel is when it releases the shot your recoil management matters and that's why your zero's different. That's why you shoot different than your buddy. That's why all these different things. And like Mike exactly said, if your position is not good, that that barrel is now in a different spot when it releases the bullet. And what we found was if you're not stacked up managing the recoil behind the rifle and you just sort of do that free recoil thing that they're doing, you can like for me it was a 20 foot per second velocity difference i have a video on it on youtube so if uh, if i stood up on a bench and i sat straight up yeah and, and i and i sat straight up on it and it pushed me back i lost a bunch of muzzle velocity if i put my shoulders in front of my hips and leaned forward on a bench i got it all back you know, so that recoil management, that position, that stance, how you address that rifle matters. So that's why we're, we're, we're bringing this down to that finite detail, man. So now 
with the stance on approach, we talk about body position. When we're actually setting our rifle up, we need to be concerned with our length of pull and our comb height and our eye relief. Those are the top three things that are going on right in front of your face and below your face and into your shoulder where you're making contact with this rifle. You're going to have your shoulder as a point of contact, your cheek as a point of contact, uh, uh, your bipod's a point of contact. So all these points of contacts are working together. Your rear bag, your um, support hand coming back and steadying the rifle or making sure that rifle is level or just, uh, just squeezing on the bag itself. So hand position, I wanna talk about first. So as we approach the pistol grip, thumb hole, whatever it is that you have on your rifle, what are we doing with our thumb? Yeah, there's a lot, that, and the thumb thing got screwed up. That, was, that all came out of Jacob, out of rifles only. He was the, he, he never meant to float the thumb the way he did. You can and you can get away with it because we don't need our thumbs in that degree. But he was demonstrating how to float the thumb that you didn't need it. And then people ran with it that put your thumb here. They took it out of context. So when you're saying put your thumb here because they can't see what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, we're, the floating the thumb on the side where the thumb runs along so the So you're side. doing a knife hand. Yeah, the knife hand. The knife right? hand. The knife hand. Right. So when you see guys, what we call floating the thumb, where it's not around a grip or not, you know, over the top of the stock, where they kind of floated alongside the stock, that came from rifles only. Jacob was demonstrating, and here's, and I think I told you this, but here's the beauty of it. This, this was, a, this was never meant to be how you shot the rifle, and I'm so glad that the the guy who stole it from Jacob didn't steal the other half. Because what he was doing when he did that floating the thumb thing, he took his support hand. So picture this. I'm lying behind the rifle, okay? Now I want you to take your two hands in front of you. Think of yourself lying down behind the rifle with the rifle in your shoulder pocket. Take your left hand. I'm going through this movement like you guys are. Yeah, you can see. We can see it. We're, we're, We're demonstrating here in person, you know? So now you're lying down behind the rifle. It's in the shoulder pocket. Your head's on the stock there, okay? Take your support hand, your left hand. I'm holding it in the hair high so you can see. It's up, up, okay. up. Okay, yep. My I've left hand's it. up. Okay. Now just lay it straight down on the ground, right out in front of you. That's how he did that. Then he took the other hand, and he put it on the pistol and brought it back into the shoulder pocket. And what he did is he put the thumb straight along the stock. And he says, look. With recoil management, when you're straight and square behind the rifle and it's in the shoulder pocket and you pull it back into your shoulder, don't just let it kind of play free. You're pinching it between your core weight and your belt buckle and the bipod. That's where our kind of points are. So you got the bipod in front with the recoil management. You got your belt buckle in the back on the other end because we're not using our shoulders. And then he shot and hit the target. And he did this several times to demonstrate well, somebody took that because of the 80-40-20. He can tell you 80% of what he wanted to tell you. You're going you're gonna to understand that 40% of it, and you're going to be able to repeat 20% of it correctly. Right. So this person got the 20% correctly when he started running around and doing videos and crap with his thumb floating. It works in really kind of limited contexts. It does work, especially with these light recoiling rifles. You know, you got a 15-pound rifle that's a 6 millimeter with a super effective muzzle brake on it. Of course it works. But when you get off your belly and you start moving around, you know what you're going to do? You're going to wrap your damn thumb, and now you're changing positions. 
So my advice to you is be consistent on where Choose your thumb one is. or the other. Basically. Pick one or the other. They they work, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. But understand the context and understand the history of where it came from. The person who started doing it the most fucked it up. Do you think that it influences the gun? Aside from, I guess you already answered that, but uh, that left or right type pull. So if you're laying behind the gun and you're floating your thumb versus wrapping your thumb around. Do you think there's any influence that's done to the rifle? I think the the influence comes from the grip that people give it mm-hmm. because they'll give it too much side grip and not enough straight back into the shoulder pocket. So I think the influence doesn't come from the from the thumb. I think it comes from the hand grip itself. Okay. And so and then the trigger if they're tapping <clears throat> it or pressing it or crushing it and and there's that trigger finger, but what I find is if we make a C, like a U, between my thumb and my my trigger finger, my index finger there, if I make a U, I find if I isolate, use my thumb to isolate my hand like that, I can isolate the movement in my trigger finger. It looks like you're just kind of pinching it together. Yeah, but my thumb's not moving. Right. You know, so I can isolate, and I'm using that on the back of like a pistol grip, and I'm using that part of it. But I'm looking at it where... I'm not just shooting prone, okay? Snipers hide. The everyday sniper. Sniper, the key word and all these things, okay? We're, we're a four-position shooter. We're in the prone, and we're sitting, kneeling, and standing in some context. We are going to be in one of those four positions for something. I want to have as consistent a grip, as consistent back into my shoulder pocket, as consistent trigger movement as I can. So that means my thumb has to be the same every time. Our thumb's unnecessary in a lot of ways. Guys, let me tell you, like handgun, you can cut your thumb off. You don't really need it, you know. But the thing is, I don't like having to alternate. Now, with some of these new, like the MPA grip, and they're Mm -hmm. giving you that shelf. That shelf, yep. I find with the shelves. That's actually really comfortable. Yes, I find with the shelf, you get that little extra bit of control that you don't get if you just float it on a regular stock. So here's my two. When I'm on an AR platform, I run my thumb around it mm-hmm. and run that gun the way it was intended. When I Because here's the thing. When I'm running a bolt gun, it's a lot faster for me to activate the bolt and send it back if I have my thumb, thumb on, on the side. right side. But and, and some people will, will just rest the th- it says like in that manual that I was doing you rest your thumb naturally on the stock so my kind of naturally comes across a little bit sideways where I know like some people like Mark might be listening he runs it along the stock in the same direction as the barrel so a lot of people like to run that thumb on top of the stock and along the same direction which is what the shelf accomplishes but I think the shelf gives you that enough room because it sticks out far enough that you have some purchase on there that your thumb is still doing something in a grip wise versus a regular stock and just running it. Now, if you're in the prone, like I said, you can get away with anything. Yep. It's it's those alternate positions where you start to play with it a bit. So there's an idea of what to do with your hand. Yeah. So as grip. far as as far as getting into that grip of the rifle where you're gonna be controlling the firing mechanism with that, you know, that strong hand or your firing hand, there's a couple ways you can go about it. Like Frank said, everything that we do, do consistently. So if you do the same thing every single time, you should expect the same result. 
Just like if you do the wrong thing every, every time, every right. time you should expect the wrong result. And and remember that <laughs> the grip is meant to bring it back into the shoulder pocket, not grip around the side of it. You're not gripping sideways. You're bringing it back. We call it a grip, and we say grip, but grip is bad word. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. But yeah, I try to be consistent in where I I put my thumb, and I don't want to think about it. Oh, do I have to bring it here or there? I go where it wants to go naturally, and that's kind of where it works. But I, I have done it all the ways, and in a small, light recoiling thing, it'll work. Cheek weld. But I will say this, though. A magnum will fuck you up. If you use a magnum, the recoil on a magnum will exploit weakness, and it'll throw your hand off. If you watch like the Magpul video, the 300 Win Mag guy, mm-hmm. his hand kept coming off the rifle because recoil was knocking him off because he was floating the thumb. With a magnum, if you try to float the thumb and it's too big and too heavy and it's not, it'll 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 screw you up big time. You gotta the, the the firing hand has two purposes. One is to press the trigger straight back to the rear without disturbing the lay of the sights. Two is to bring the rifle back into the shoulder pocket and to manage the recoil. It's gotta support the firing task. So just to add ad lib there, but go ahead. Cheek weld. So we're on the gun. We we know what we need to do with our firing hand. Now how do we get our face on the gun? So my technique, and this is a question that came up again on in the comment section. My technique, and it's always been the same, is make a fist. And I want you guys to do this at home. So take your firing hand, make a fist, put it on the right side of your jaw, right at the crest of your jaw, and then drop your face down to where your cheek is resting on your knuckles. I feel more comfortable the lower I go. It keeps my head straight. I don't want to be leaning off to the side like Will Smith and Bad Boys. Bad Boy, Bad Boy. Yep. What a good movie. Y'all on the mic with Mike. That was for you, Adam. So you're making that cheek weld, and for me, it's it's going lower. I see high cheeks. I see low cheeks. Yeah. Some guys like chin welds and everything mm-hmm. like that, and that's There's great. Much chin welds. But for me, that's where my cheek weld's landing. What about you? I'm not high. I'm pretty much in the middle there. I don't know where I'm at. I'm right about here. So, yeah, I'm pretty much in the center just above my my cheek and just not quite high i'm not a high i'm not a low i'm not a chin i'm not a high i'm more in the middle like where your teeth are at yeah. if you were to like right. x-ray my lower your teeth. face yeah, yeah yeah i'm like at my lower teeth i think and probably. i think i'm i'm right on my cheekbone yeah basically yeah and, and i got some videos there's a proper grip video if you go youtube proper grip there's a video on it there's there's getting behind the rifle there's some training videos on youtube that are free you can grab but there's definitely a grip one that gets a lot of um a lot of traction so check out the grip one i think when you're setting up your rifle in the first place the most important thing as far as rifle um uh, making your rifle custom to you or comfortable to you uh, which will increase your accuracy is doing your length of pull first and then doing your comb height because the first thing that you're going to touch with your rifle is your shoulder anyways as far as you yeah, know on the back end of the length of pull so length of pull if you don't know how to do your length of pull there's an easy way to do it so basically take your rifle put it in your put it in your firing hand so that you're holding it in a high port or workspace kind of area the butt stock should be in the crook of your elbow. So what I call an elbow on the inside of that, your elbow pit. Mm-hmm, the right? elbow pit. Yeah, exactly. your elbow pit. So then you put your you line your buttstock up there, and then wherever your uh, your trigger finger is most comfortable, so that you can actually engage a trigger in a straight back function. That's your length of pull. Set your rifle, the, your your stock. If you have an expandable stock, expand it out or shorten it up. 
um, do what you have to do. So that we've had people come in to the shop with wood stocks that we've had to cut yeah. the back of the fit, stock right. off and actually fit that, uh, you know, so that we can get a good uh, butt pad, nice comfortable butt pad on there for them. So we've had to cut rifles to actually get that length of pull correct. And, and the tactical guys take about a quarter of an inch out of that measurement because you're for not only clothing, nylon, body armor type of things, but positional too. We're going to be moving positions. Your head's going to move. Move, right. So usually it's a safe bet to take about a quarter of an inch out of that measurement for a tactical rifle. So then your cheek height comes into play. That's when that cheek weld really does come into play. If you can move it up and down, you have an adjustable stock. Almost everybody in the type of shooting that we do uh, with tactical shooting and, and target shooting, all these guys, most of them, I want to say most of them, have an adjustable cheek of sorts. Yeah. Otherwise, they're using some kind of bag or a uh, you know a piece of foam that they duct taped so that they're building height on that actual buttstock. Mm-hmm. And and don't for like with this, that's when you set up your eye relief. After that, length of pull first, so then you could do your eye relief. Because as we talked about, as you're moving positions, that's when you have to start playing with your magnification to take up for that movement in your head. You're gonna, you're not gonna have a consistent cheek weld if you're doing multiple positions. So the, the fix for that is to lower your magnification to open up that eye box. I'm gonna hit a couple more things on grip right quick. Um, get the grip. I know. That was in, Aerosmith, wasn't it? Get a grip. What does a what? Aerosmith album, isn't it? Get a Dude, grip. Dude, you know I don't listen to that stuff. <laughs> Your gangster rap. And, you know, a little bit of uh, hard rock every now and then. Gangster rap. But mostly gangster rap. Um, high grip, low grip. Your recoil does a few things. It goes up, it goes back, and it takes the path of least resistance. So when you have a lower grip, I feel like, or let's say a grip on your shoulder. So when you have a lower grip on your shoulder and the buttstock's actually more above your shoulder than it is into your shoulder into that pocket i feel like you get more upward movement on your muzzle just because it's more like a teeter-totter you can i, I look at the, the grip the grip yeah in, in my class how i say it is you mentally build the position from the trigger back and not the grip forward so from the trigger in your hand 90 degree pad of the finger trigger finger blah 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 the, you're mentally, you're not putting your finger on the trigger first. You're mentally building your position from the trigger back and not the grip forward. People want to come up and do a high grip like they're a door kicker, and you're not a door kicker. We're precision rifle guys. So the, the, the position has to support that straight back 90-degree trigger finger. So we're building it from the trigger back instead of the grip forward is how I, I work it with a precision rifle, which is sort of opposite of carbine people. So we're getting into sights now. Sight picture. Sight alignment, sight picture, and scope engagement. So sight alignment is nothing more than lining up your sights and putting them on the target. Sight picture is what your actual target looks like versus what your sight looks like or your crosshair or your iron sights or whatever your front sight blade versus your rear sight all that stuff is coming into play now so what are we actually focusing on you ask some people uh you know what's more clear the target or the reticle or the target or your sights this is what we're talking about when we're saying sight picture um i did some work with marines overseas uh military police marines 
and we were talking about fundamentals of marksmanship and this was you know back in 03 in the initial invasion and what i didn't know is how they were um engaging the buttstock really far back on the buttstock to make their sights really small oh to, yeah to, so, to tighten it up aim so small miss small aim small miss small and i and it that's when it dawned on me i was like holy shit there's you know a thousand way to, ways to do this because i was always taught you know you got your charging handle you put your nose two finger pulls away or put your nose on the charging handle and that's where your sights are but it makes that rear side aperture really big mm-hmm. where these guys were you know in a in a uh i don't know can you say indian style anymore what is it crisscross applesauce right yeah yeah something right like, yeah. so they're sitting crisscross cross apples leg, yeah, yeah cross-legged mm-hmm. and seated with their elbows down and in and way back on the buttstock and just having that all the way back mm-hmm. and um it made them very accurate yeah there's <laughs> accuracy man we we, we qual with iron sights and shit we you know 500 yard or meter 500 yards it was yards for marine corps um we qualified you know two three five so iron sights man it, it, you gotta remember that so sight picture on on a scope how can we even explain that edge to edge clarity you got to have edge to edge clarity no shadowing no highlight you know no mooning and you know because uh, that's going to throw the round in the opposite direction when you see shadowing and you don't have edge to edge clarity you're not looking straight down the scope you're looking to the side or your eye relief is messed up but you want edge to edge clarity um to line up the eye directly behind the reticle and then uh, what i put into sight picture as well for classes is parallax i bring parallax into parallax sight picture yeah i make it part of sight huge. picture how to do your parallax and i demonstrate parallax in my class so that's part of my sight picture but um the bottom line is we still have a, a, a sight alignment is your eye and the way it's lined up behind it with no shadowing sight picture is edge to edge clarity then parallax corrected for every new yard line and we take it from there so eye relief you can find the eye relief of most scopes on the manufacturer's website it'll say x amount of inches 2.3 3.2 uh you know whatever inches yeah, and that's two and, what and they're, a half to three and a half depending. what yep yeah. and what they're talking about is that distance from your eye to the actual scope so that three inches so you can look at your finger and go in segments one two three and that's about the distance you hold it up to your face that's about the distance of where you need to be uh the manufacturer will have that stuff and i'm sure some of you are now getting out your calipers and measuring sticks and rulers and yardsticks here's what i do given time and opportunity i put the rifle i did my my length of pull okay that's set up i know where that's at i get in behind the rifle with no scope on it the scope's mounted in the rings i use the badger dead level it's mounted in the rings everything's good all i have to do is drop the rings on the 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 pick rail of my op of my rifle rather so i line up on i get on the prone because i'm going to do it in the prone i do it a lot here in the kitchen you know i'll lay down in the kitchen i'll put the rifle down i get in behind the rifle and I get comfortable behind the rifle as if I'm going to go to sleep. I'm acting as if there's a scope there. I, I play around. I get my cheek weld. I do the whole thing. Then I take my support hand and I'll throw the optic up on there. And I play with it to find where that sweet spot is, knowing that I'm comfortable and feeling good behind the rifle. Sans scope. Then behind the rifle with the scope, I do my fine tune. 
tighten her down and I'm good to go. That's how I sort of set that up. If you have a second person, it makes life a little easier. That person can put the scope on and make the movements and tighten it down for you. But that's generally how I address a site picture that way. So that's not all the fundamentals. We have more fundamentals to talk about. We're going to start wrapping up this episode here. So we're not yeah, kind we'll of cutting into it. Yeah, we'll do trigger and follow through in yeah. the next. And so we'll go into but that. I, I always bring this up to you and I draw this picture out. It's basically I draw a circle on the right side and then I put lines going to that circle. And then if you turn that picture up to where the circle's up, it looks like a bar stool. So this is my bar stool of fundamentals jib jab. You start taking legs off of that bar stool, that bar stool is going to get real wobbly. You have, we're going to say, five legs on this bar stool. Three legs will get you on that seat. You'll be okay, but you won't be great. Right. It will be you'll a be little wobbly. unstable. It will be a little unstable. You take another one away and you're only focusing on two of these fundamentals that we're talking about, you're going to fall off that stool. And you may not fall off it immediately. You may be able to balance for a second, but you're going down. Right. You're going down quick. So that's just something to think about. Yeah. And we'll get into trigger control and follow through will be the next ones. Breathing too. We'll do breathing, trigger control, and follow through. But we got the half of them in that, that man. Look at that. That was like an hour discussion. And we only got through like, you know, a couple of the fundamentals, man. And and we're, we're, we're shortcutting it in a way because you can't see what we're doing. We're just talking about it. So the, this is how, how mega of important this stuff is. Dude, we're at 1,100 followers. We, yeah. You guys rock. You jump so high because I was looking for that 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. Got to have the 1,000. Then the next thing you know, boom, we're at 1,100. We're over 1,100. I've been wrestling with this Podbean app for like since day one. I'm like, I'm trying to find the right words to put into a description or meta tags and stuff like that yeah. to try to get our stuff to pop up more and more. Oh, and newsflash yep today this afternoon apple said okay we'll move you forward now nothing changed yeah move forward to what i don't know the itunes (laughs) the 96th step itunes finally responded to me and said okay next next level of whatever i know people are asking for itunes and all that and i submitted it i like look it's up here I even have it here. Do we have like five computers running in Dude, here right now? there's like five. Look at when I submitted it. Last refresh, 119. I did it on January 19th, and they just emailed me today to say iTunes. Somebody somebody listening to this right now has to be working for iTunes or Apple, man. Push that through for us. Get it in there. Uh, but no, we're doing really good, man. We're at 43,000 da- uh, 43, downloads. We're right there on the cusp of it. Um, eleven hundred and eleven followers, and that's all you guys, and we appreciate the hell out of you. Yeah, man. So this is all good stuff. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna go and do part two since we're here. We're gonna run right into the fundamentals. So you have a little bit of break. We gave you something to think about. These fundamentals are so damn important, man. They're the reasons why you get the hit, and it's not that you have this caliber. Like I said, there's a reason why they're doing light and as fast as physically possible because they want it gone as quick as possible. But you all aren't shooting all that stuff, and you may not want to do the same thing they're doing. Put this stuff into context. Put it into context and go through that stance. Think about what we we talked about. Think about your position. Think about your grip. Think about your approach to the rifle, uh, where you're putting your face on that rifle and making contact and making it... uh, basically a part of yourself 
so that you can get behind it the same way every single time. You can't do it two or three times and say, okay, you know what? That's comfortable. I'm good to go. Right. You're going to have to do this over and it, it, over and I, over. I don't know about you guys. Like with me, I get a new car. I set all the seats and everything and I get it up. And then as I settle in and get used to that particular car, I change it again. Like three months after I got the car, I'll change it. The same thing with the rifle, man. You may have to tweak it as you're going along. You may say, okay, this is really good. I like this. This is right. Oh, you know what? If I move just a little bit like this and I bring that, I'm going to be even more comfortable and I like it even better. So don't don't worry if you see a small change uh, down the road a little bit because you may fine-tune your position. Yeah. Make it yours. It's, it's yours, man. It's got to be yours. Cool. All righty. So that's been the Everyday Sniper. The Everyday. Everyday. We got Mike here. Everyday. Mike's here. And we'll talk to you guys in the next <laughs> one. We're just going to follow right up. Did you... I don't even know. Is that Soprano? I don't know. No, I'm probably a falsetto or something. I'm so isn't it falsetto. I'm like Pee Wee Herman, right? Isn't that a falsetto boy? No, I can just I, I can see you with your platform shoes on top of the bar. So that is a movie that I have seen recently. Okay. Well, not recently, but I mean, like I, I told you, I don't watch movies before like 2000. That image has always stuck in my head. Pee Wee, man, Pee Wee rocks. All right, guys. Keep them out of movie theaters. Be safe. We're out of there. Later.